0: So welcome everybody to this experience CGI podcast Um, my name is Sean Devaney and I'm responsible for CGI's uh, strategy in banking and financial markets uh, in the UK. I'm joined uh, for our chat today by Andrew Dare, who's our CTO for for banking and financial markets. Hi Andrew. Hi Sean, how are you? I'm not bad thanks, I'm not bad. Today we're going to be talking about central bank digital currencies so we'll do a very quick intro on uh, what these are and where they differ from things like bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies but it will be a quick intro because you can all google that if you want more detail and if you're listening to this then I think we can probably assume that you know a little bit about the topic. So. Once we've done that, we'll jump into some of the areas that we think are still very much up for debate in the CBDC world, the central bank digital currency world, uh, including things like uh, anonymity and the right to privacy uh, and whether CBDC should be aligned to a retail model i.e., used for day-to-day transactions by the likes of you and me, uh, whether they should be focused on the wholesale market, you no know, use for interbank and corporate money movement, essentially or should they be used in, in, in both areas? So I so just wonder, Andrew, could, could you give us a quick summary of you know what CBDCs are and, and how they differ from the more sort of well-known cryptocurrency uh, type things like Bitcoin and Cardano and things like that?
1: Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll talk about them from a functionality perspective rather than the technology that will underpin them. Uh, but basically, um, a cryptocurrency... It's those things you're familiar with, as Sean says, things like Bitcoin or Ether or Dogecoin, one of the new entrants. Um, and typically they're, you know, decentralized and anonymous exchanges of value effectively, but they're not pinned to any any real world assets. Um, you have things like stable coins and actually a stable coin would be pinned to a, an asset. So it's actually pinned to the um, Tether, is pinned to the US dollar. Um, a CB... CBDC is different in that, by definition, it's it's already centralised. The C stands for centralised, but actually, it's also pinned to um, an asset, so typically a fiat currency. So, in the UK, a pound. Now, when I say pinned, effectively, what happens is that that CBDC is actually an adjunct, is is an extension to that um, fiat currency. So, it's as vi- it's a viable currency as, for example, a fifty pound note. Um, Obviously, Sean says, if, if you want to see any more information about this stuff, it's pretty easy to Google it. But here's a, a kind of quick level set.
0: Yeah, no, cheers, Andrew. I, I think that's an important distinction, isn't it? The 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 fact that the central bank digital currency is exactly that. It's a central bank digital currency, not a currency that's based on, a, on an exchange or some concept of mining or, or, or something else as a number of the other cryptocurrencies are. So it's it, it's more a, um, uh, a, a as you say a fiat currency, so a, a currency issued by the central bank, rather than a uh, what's effectively like a commodities uh, a commodity which would be you know marketed on a on, on an exchange. So yeah, you know, the, was, the, was the stable say... coin. Yeah, sorry. You're... No,
1: sorry. I was going to say I think one of the big distinctions is something really about is around an, an, anonymity, because, you know, one of the advantages to, if you like, the criminal element uh, is the anonymous nature of things like Bitcoin. There is a big debate, I think, about CBDCs and whether they should truly be anonymous. And actually, you know, I think, you know, Sean, I guess you were just about to it on to that point. But, you know, I think there's a lot of discussion there.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think there really is. And, and actually, um, it's interesting. I think one of the um, uh, big selling points, um, I think, certainly you know, uh, amongst people who aren't really familiar with, uh, with cryptocurrencies, one of the big sign points of, uh, of crypto uh, assets is that they're often seen as completely anonymous. Uh, and so um, you know, there's, there's a great deal of debate, um, as you say, Andrew, about whether a central bank digital currency should be anonymous or not uh, and if there is you know anonymity built into that process then to what extent should it be allowed right so you know um, you've got to protect against um you know criminal activity uh, anti-money laundering efforts etc um but you know should you and i when using a, a cbdc um, be subject to those same rules of um uh, of uh transaction monitoring and uh, and so on but but i think one thing that's quite important to note though is most of the popular cryptocurrencies aren't in fact really anonymous Um, so um if you look at like bitcoin for instance it's based on a public transaction ledger which everyone on the network can access and which contains the address that you use to undertake a transaction And, and and it's true that you can get an address without identifying yourself And that a person could hold multiple addresses. In fact, the guy who founded um, Bitcoin, supposed to have founded Bitcoin, um, actually suggested in the original paper that um, people have a different address for every transaction they want to undertake, um, because otherwise um, it's traceable. You can, if you use the same address to undertake a transaction, that that can be that can be traced. So. uh, it, you know, if someone can associate an address with an individual, um, so if you share your public key or, or something like that, then all the transactions associated with that address can actually be traced back to the owner of that of that key. So over time, maps can be built of those addresses that show where bitcoins are moving, and if the addresses are linked to individuals, then their entire transaction history can be unpicked. So, you know, bitcoin's the most popular cryptocurrency, today, but but it, but it's far from the only one. And, and some of them do, in fact, claim to be truly an, anonymous. I think Monero, um, uh, I think, is the biggest one that claims to be uh, anonymous. And that uses an algorithm um, that allows you to mix the address of the actual sender of the transaction in with other users of the network, um, as, a, as a, a ring algorithm, um, uh, hiding both the address and of the sender and the value of their transaction. It's way more complicated than that. Um, but A, I don't think we've got the time to get into that level of detail. And B, I think it's beyond my level of uh, technical slash mathematical uh, ability. Uh, but I do think it's this kind of challenge, though, that's going to be key to the acceptance and, and use of an ECBDC in a democratic economy. So today, cash is about as anonymous a form of money as you can get but there are limits on the types of transactions you can undertake while remaining anonymous right you can you can buy uh, a coffee at the coffee shop with cash and be completely anonymous it's much harder to go in and buy a car with cash um, and that, that you basically can't do that anymore so for me the debate is not so much about whether the CBDC itself should be anonymous i think it should be and that the, anon- and, the and the anonymity should be built right into the to the product from the outset, but but rather it's about what mechanisms get put in place around that anonymous currency to make it traceable when it needs to be, So avoid money laundering and the uh, and use of CBDCs for criminal activities and tax avoidance and so on. So you could build KYC requirements into the wallet providers or exchanges or whatever mechanism you're using for, for moving these uh, CBDCs around. Um, and they're certain to arise as CBTCs become more widespread, uh, and and use those to enforce traceabilities that way, similar to cash. And, and Andrew, do you have any sort of thoughts on on what that might mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking exactly that. You know, a five pound note is pretty anonymous, but you know, turn up to a bank with thirty thousand of them all grubby in a bag, and all of a sudden they become quite unanonymous as you can be. So, so I think I, I think you're right. I think that. The anonymity needs to be done at the point of, almost the point of exchange. And depending on what you're doing as well, because I think, you know, central bank, you know, wholesale uh, digital currencies versus retail digital currencies have a certain, certainly a different set of attributes and a certain different set of requirements. So again, I think, again, it's about usage and the technology is definitely there to make sure that, as you say, the wallet providers and the, the exchange mechanisms have this stuff built into place. Let's be clear, right, the criminal element will always find a way around this stuff. But actually, you know, for general usage, I think, you know, I think there's there's plenty to do there. And, there, and you know, clearly there will be people advertising, you know, browsers that allow you to do um, crypto exchanges without having anybody knowing what's going on. That's always going to happen and you need to legislate for that as well. But, yeah, I, I think for, for general usage, I think... As you say, the technologies built into the exchange mechanisms are probably the easiest way to go. Um, but but I think you know it kind of takes you to um, you know talking about wholesale and retail differences and stuff like that. It almost kind of takes me to the point about so you know what's the point of a, of a cryptocurrency? You know, a, a CBDC. What, what what's the point of it? What does it give us over and above what we have have now? I think the other thing as well for me is is then how does it affect things like the the fiscal controls that we already have in place? So things like M one, you know, the amount of money slushing around in the economy, M two, you know, savings and, and and held assets stuff like that. You know, how are those measures affected? And how does the whole uh, you know the whole point of a CBDC affect you know the financial st- stability of a, of a country itself? Now, I genuinely don't know enough about the economics of that to. To have any real, um, real thoughtful comment, but I think you know these are areas where people are investigating at the moment, and where and where some of the concerns are. I, I think also, you know, when we talk about wholesale versus retail, I, I, I'd be very surprised if we don't end up with both wholesale and retail versions of um, CBDCs. Um, not notwithstanding, if only to stop these kind of you know things like the Facebook coin, that kind of thing. Springing up, um, so that you know at least um, central banks have control over the economies. Because let's let's be um, you know t- just to reiterate, the CBDC is an extension to the currency itself. So you know when I talked about M one and M two, you'd expect those things to be included in the measures, and even things like quantitative easing that happened. You know and, and talk of things like negative interest rates, and all of those things could probably be. Uh, easily um, included into uh, CBDC. So, you know, when you think about quantitative easing, of course, that means printing more money. Well, I suspect making more tokens available uh, as part of a CBDC would have a similar effect or even, you know, where those tokens are distributed. So, you know, you know, I, I think there is an awful lot of discussion about do we actually need this thing? Um, my view is that actually I think in terms of Um, moving forward and also making sure that, you know, we grasp the technology advantages of those things. We we probably do. But I I don't know what your view is, Sean, if you have any real thoughts about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, some some of the debates that are going on at the moment around, you know, if you had a central bank digital currency and you had a run on a bank, um so uh you know uh, well, i'm thinking if i look back to pre 2008 you know the original sort of run on northern rock with uh, with people lined up around the block um trying to get cash um out of the out of the bank um you know that kind of uh, run on the bank is effectively massively enabled by um a CBDC without very careful controls um, some of the um, some of the debate that's been going on recently um, at the, at the, with the Bank of England and with um, European Central Bank has been around suggesting limits on you know the amount of holdings that you could have in in CBDC, um, but that that to me effectively seems a fairly um, you know false um, safeguard there that that's kind of artificially restraining the system, uh, which doesn't seem um the most um you know free market economy uh, approach to uh, to this that you could have but there is a there is a degree of how do you how do you control um the amount of money that is held as you know deposits in uh banks and and consequently allowing um banks to to lend and uh, and generate more money um you know if if there is a constant risk of uh, of flight to um, uh, the central bank digital currency and and today when we've got relatively low interest rates that's probably a relatively low risk i mean if you look at the the amount of funds that banks are holding in you know reserve accounts at central banks you know both in the UK in Europe, and Europe know uh, in the us for instance that, you know that's a very large number um and so any movement of um uh, deposits would likely be taken from those um deposits rather than um being taken from the deposits in the commercial bank so so there is some buffer um built into into the system but i think one of the one of the sort of more uh, pertinent questions really is you know um Assuming that as you say, Andrew, that we ended up going for a retail um, CBDC and potentially a, a wholesale one, particularly for retail what's what 's the impact on you know cash in the economy or uh, what 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 impact would its reduction have um, on those that are currently either unbanked um, or just not digitally savvy you know, if you, you know you we have an aging population uh, some of whom um, aren 't comfortable using uh, you know, digital uh, access to, to, to technology and to money. Um, and so, how would they cope? So, I think that's where we hit some real challenges with a CBDC as a retail offering. So, especially in a relatively mature economy like, like the UK, Europe, or the US. I think what we're seeing here is that there are a number of pretty complex issues that we need to sort out before CBDCs are widely adopted. And for me, the fundamental question is. Who should be sorting them out? So central banks will have a view on monetary policy, but probably not on privacy and on uh, anonymity. The Information Commissioner's Office in the UK would have a view on on that, but probably not on the accessibility issues. Uh, and then there's the whole sort of run on the banks question. If it turns out that CBDCs make it much easier for depositors to withdraw their money from commercial banks in the n- event of a problem. So it's great that there's so much debate going on regarding CBDCs. And and at CGI, we're looking forward to staying engaged in in the subject and and passing some of that insight on to you in the form of these podcasts. So firstly, thanks for listening. Um, Alternatively, check out some of our other blogs and white papers on CBDCs, or feel free to just get in touch with either myself or Andrew directly if you want to continue the conversation. Thanks very much.